I think your renos have created a slight echo. Are you kidding? It's me? just it's just slight. It's fine. We'll leave it in because I I don't want to deal with it right now. You could put like a blanket over my head or something. That's how podcasters do it. They go in closets, closets. because of all the clothes clothing and then crawl under a blanket. I'm not doing that because I'm not bringing this whole desk into a closet. Maybe I need like a blanket tent to go mm. over top of me. You are listening to Fixing Faxes, a podcast on the journey of building a digital health startup with your hosts, myself, Angela Hopke, and I'm Jonathan Bowers, and this is our Q&A show. We've got questions from listeners, and we're going to answer them. I'm very excited. I am too. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed that no one asked like really obscure, odd, weird oh, questions about too. you know about things that are unrelated to podcasting yes, or right? startups. Yeah, because we've we you know we're we're deeper people than just this. Barely. Yes. No. no barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah, barely. No, we are. Yeah. Like, uh. I, I, there's so many. I mean, these questions are wonderful and they're beautiful and they're going to get into some some interesting things here. But yeah, there's no like wild or wacky questions for us so um, and i apologize that my first response to getting questions was to criticize the quality that <laughs> criticize yeah. the criticize the questions i just realized that i'm kind of a poo-poo <laughs> you did you poo-pooed on them uh, thank I, you for sending in questions yes let's thank let's you. just get into it let's, let's get into do it. it let's start with kayleen because kayleen jumped on this and i'm so proud of her for like jumping on it and putting it out there. So let's start with her. Yay, yay, Kayleen. And let's jump into the leadership questions that she had. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she asked a few questions around leadership and she said that she'd love to hear both of us answer these questions. And the first one was, what is a piece of leadership advice you think everyone should know? I know, right? Just like. Head first, straight straight into into the deep end. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Authenticity. Kayleen, authenticity. I'm going to agree with that. We can can read all the leadership books that we want to, and we can try and emulate all these wonderful, amazing examples of people out there. But at the end of the day, being authentically yourself is what I would just tell anybody. If you found yourself in a place where you're in a leadership position and you're like you're you're doing what we do, we've probably done something right. So I would say authenticity. I think there's a temptation to put on a facade, which does have which does have its place. Yeah, uh, there is a there's a place for that. But I think generally, yeah, being authentic, yeah, and just being open, honest, and maybe a little bit more vulnerable than. Yes. Please, please, we need more leadership with vulnerability. Please, can we do that? Yes. Okay, her second question is, what is a common myth about leadership you think we all need to let go of? You go first on this one. Uh, Oh, my goodness. So I haven't prepared for any, I haven't read any of these questions. I just copied and pasted these in. (laughs) I haven't had time to think about them. A common myth. I don't know what, I don't know. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm struggling to answer these That's because okay. I don't, I don't know, I, maybe because I don't read enough books uh, to know like, what are some of the myths? I just don't read enough books, period. <laughs> um, I think a common myth about leadership, but it's also not just about leadership. I think it's about, especially a startup culture in general, is this hustle. 
culture that we have created. And we think being busy is the ultimate showcase of success. It's not at all. It's, I think it's quite the opposite, actually. I think having a lot of room and flexibility in your day, it makes, makes you a much better leader than burning yourself out. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to offer anything different than that. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just agree with that. Like, I think that's totally true. Even uh, like Justin, uh, Justin Jackson, he asked a question. Uh, we'll get to that, but yeah. he shared his calendar. Yes. This week, I saw that. Uh, and it's just a blank canvas with like two meetings in it. And I think part of that is because his uh, business partner's away on holidays, but um <laughs> regardless he's still like he's still you know that's that's his goal is to maintain that and i I, you know i really like that i look at my calendar right now and it is it has very few holes in it and it's very stressful but that's i mean that's just a personal thing like in like i don't know that that's but isn't that what leadership is like i mean leadership is so personal right Yeah, yeah 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 so yeah i would agree don't hustle so hard don't slow down take a breath free up your calendar this idea that Kayleen and I are kind of batting around a little bit around taking some of the lessons we learned from endurance training and applying it to work and life and things like that. And we, we've all, we always say like, this isn't a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And I think putting in the measures and practices that allow you to sustain a pace over the long term yes. is I think what'll get you there. Not, not sprinting. Cause you can't, you just can't. You can't sprint in this. You're just going to burn out. No, I totally agree. Okay, I like that. Okay, Jonathan, what is your best leadership quality? Oh, God, I don't know. You just made an awful... I don't know. I don't know how to answer these questions. Like, I really don't. I think you need to have a little, like, sit down with yourself. (laughs) I I mean, so I think think I'm fairly authentic. I... um, I, I try to lead from the heart. Sometimes that's a, yeah. that puts me in a, I make not as great business decisions doing that occasionally. That's um, okay. But yeah, I think, I think I try to lead from, I try to, I don't always, I don't always succeed at that, but I think it's, I try to lead from the heart. What is your best leadership quality? Ugh. Oh, Ugh. I made yeah, the same right? noise. Oh no. Whoopsie. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think... Oh gosh, we should have had our team answer this for <laughs> yeah. like a 360 review. Yeah. Uh, no, what's my best leadership quality? I'm I'm not sure. I think, you know, when I did mention authenticity at the beginning, I think that is a piece of it. I try and be actually a pretty vulnerable leader. I let my team know maybe when I made some bad decisions so we all can learn from it rather than being, oh, just trying to, like you talk about facades. Oh my goodness. Like I couldn't, that would just be too exhausting. So mm-hmm. maybe that's my best leadership quality. I'm not really sure, Kayleen. Thank you for asking, but I... Humility. Maybe that's it. <laughs> you, 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 there's nothing. Nothing. I did... You say nothing, so it's humility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I did my, my Enneagram. Have you heard about this? Is this another, is this another test? It's like basically a personality test is what this is. It's like very Myers-Briggs-esque, but I'm, I'm an, just throw it out there. I'm an eight and um, I'm very sure that humility isn't top of like the best leadership quality of an eight. We're, we're very like, anyway, 
Anybody who knows what the Enneagrams are probably giggling right now. Yeah. I I don't know anything about that. Okay. What is a leadership lesson you keep having to relearn or remind yourself of? This one's easier for me to answer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. Because if I keep having to relearn it, I'm probably not. It's probably not sticking. But the one I think, just because it, it happened again, was to just give people more freedom than than you might be willing oh. to because they're they're full surprise yes yeah yes that's that's a beautiful one i'm gonna jump on board with that one too i do have to relearn that one a lot <laughs> sadly that's embarrassing to admit it's but. hard it's hard because when you start from like when you start from one right when it's just you this you're so used to doing everything, everything. on your own yes and there's a way that you think that it needs to be done and the way that it's always been done. And you just got to remember to like, let go of that. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. From Hope. I don't know who Hope is. Who's Hope? We you know, know we Hope. Hope. Oh, Hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. sweet. Awesome. Um, Hope just started a new marketing company and it oh, is called Hello Unicorn Marketing. Yay, Hope. I'm super proud of you for starting your own business. That's awesome. I didn't know she had done that. Good for you, Hope. So her question is, I'd love to know how much reach your podcast episodes are getting, how much you measure this. Uh, Any best practices on launching podcasts for the global market? I don't really want to share the podcast numbers (laughs) because they're not that impressive. They're not. So (laughs) Hope, uh, reach, we have had listeners all over the world, Mm -hmm. like all, all different parts of the world. So that's pretty cool. How are we measuring this? Well, maybe Jonathan, tell them how we use Transistor. Yeah, Transistor, the podcast hosting platform that we use, has has analytics. They measure the listens to each episode. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, some problems in accuracy in measuring podcast right. downloads yeah. because, like, you never know if someone actually listened to it. They may have just downloaded it. So it it works really well. There's some some things that I wish were a little bit more specific because so we can I can see when somebody when somebody binges the entire the entire show because there's a you? huge spike. Yeah, there's a big spike, oh, and that like okay, yeah. I think is a bit of a hint as to how low our numbers are because that stands that out. Spiked. <laughs> so it's it, yeah. Tips on tips on launching a podcast for the global market. I don't know. Like we we've we're just new at this, and we haven't we haven't really managed to have the podcast grow a whole lot. It is picking up more listens though. Like people are are discovering it and listening to it more, but it's not at a pace that is uh, impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like Clinact. Not at a pace that's quite yeah. impressive yet. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast, like the startup we're starting, is just sort of... Trudging along. Keep yeah. on going. My tip is to not get too stuck on the details of the like the mechanics and the, the format and all of that. Just start recording something and get comfortable with talking. Yes. Just, even if you throw some of those away... Just record because that's what we did. We we recorded one, maybe one two or two, I think, and then we trashed two. them. Yeah, we just garbage. They were them. awful. One, we actually made a recording mistake, so that's helpful to do. Uh, oh, right. Practice that. We made a recording mistake, and then the second one just was yeah, bad. It was, wasn't very good. My husband said to me last night, "What we're doing with this podcast is like flexing a muscle," yes. and yep. and it's absolutely it's absolutely true. 
not only do you have like the podcasting muscle being flexed, but it has run into so many other parts of my life. I used to get really nervous standing up and, and, and presenting or talking in front of people, people, people. <laughs> and uh, it was like that. <laughs> now, even just doing this has helped a ton with meetings and talking about being able to articulate how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, formulate my words around my thoughts and things like that. So I highly recommend exactly what Jonathan just said is just start recording, just start trying. If it's all junk at first, who cares? Keep going. Yeah. I've, I've found myself leaning on, I mean, partly just the equipment is set up, so it's really easy, but when I need to communicate something asynchronously to the team that doesn't make sense to write, it's so easy to just hop onto, hop onto a screen record and do that now. And that, that has been really helpful just like practically as as a, like you said, like a muscle that I can it's been worked out. I'm like, yeah, I know how to do this. Yeah. In the same way that like, ah, I can just go for a run. Like I know how to do that. I'll just go for a run. It's easy. I wish I could just say that. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I'll get there. Okay. Justin Jackson. So we mentioned Transistor already. Justin Jackson is one of the co-founders of uh, Transistor that we do use. And Justin decided to ask a pretty tough question here. Why did you decide to go B2B instead of going a direct-to-consumer health startup? I think we need to define what B2B is, just for anybody listening that may not know what that is. Bananas to bongo. Oh, no. But, mm, oh. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> B2B, uh, business-to-business. Um, it's, a, it's a business-to-business product. So Clinect is not direct to consumer, so meaning direct to a patient, but rather it is doctor to doctor, so B2B. So why did we do this? Whew, you want the long answer or the short answer, Justin? No. <laughs> I'm sure he wants the long answer. I know. But, we don't yeah, have time for the long answer. Yeah. and but Listen to the whole podcast. Yeah, Continue listening. He listens, he listens to most of the podcasts that start up on his, on his platform, no. which is awesome. But I think at some point he's like, okay, I'm going well, to can't listen now. to everything. He's just spent his whole 24 hours of his yeah. day listening to podcasts. Yeah. The way that Clinex started was it, it had started out of a out of a actually a government project. And it was very much focused on uh, doctor to doctor referrals. And so that's, it organically came as a B2B. I think though, what, and I'm just going to infer here, what Justin is asking is, is it sometimes maybe easier to do a direct to consumer health startup? And my answer to that would be, hell yes. <laughs> it is much easier to do a direct to consumer startup. I think when you're in the doctor to doctor sphere and you are not linked to the government, it can be it can be a bit lonely out in those seas sometimes and it's hard to do and your your accessible market is so much smaller than if you're just going to do a direct to consumer. I would, I kind of want to push back on that a bit because I feel like a direct to consumer would be very hard because accessing that market would be very, very expensive. Fair enough. And like our problem doesn't really affect consumers in a way that they would want to pay for it. No, it doesn't. So the market doesn't even, like the market isn't really there for what Mm -hmm. we're trying to do. But Mm -hmm. even if we were to be, you know, selling something that was more 
applicable to a consumer, they're just hard to get. Like they're, it's expensive to market to consumers and, and as a, maybe as a bootstrapped company that would just not be possible. I don't know. I feel like this is a much longer conversation. Oh, okay. Sweet. Well, let's turn that into a whole episode. Let's Maybe turn... we'll invite Justin on. Justin, come on to he our can... yeah. come on to our show and, and ask us, us the tough questions. Okay. Yeah, I or like actually it. just share some of the knowledge because uh, I mean, he talks a lot about yeah. ab- about markets and you know catching catching the wave, right? You know, and and I think I think what what we've what you've done is you've identified a problem that people are already paying for, right? Like fax machines exist. People mm-hmm. are sending referrals or mm-hmm. actually paying money to do this, putting yep. energy into it. It's expensive and it's a pain in the butt. And so you're trying to f- take advantage of some other things that are happening mm-hmm. to try and turn this into a, into a product that people would pay for because they're used to paying for something like this. Yeah. I think I'm just a bit exhausted of trying to convince um, doctors that pay for all of this stuff anyway, to, to do it in a much better, easier way. And it can be exhausting. So I think that's probably why I was like direct to consumers ways or just <laughs> if you have, I mean, it all depends on the idea. Like you say, yeah. our product, our idea doesn't translate to a consumer product at all. It is a yeah. B2B. And that's why we went this route with it, obviously. But yeah, there's a, there's a, I think if you were to look at like healthcare startups as just a big blanket term, I don't know, there can be, there is a lot of arguments to be made to going direct to consumer, but mm. well, we can talk about that another time. We can deep yeah. dive into that. Yeah. Lindsay, this is for you. What I is, guess it was. Yeah. Specifically for Jonathan, what has the most valuable lesson in design that you've learned or what has, I'm what has been the most valuable design lesson in design that you've learned and why? I, so I, I did think about this one a little bit because oh, I wasn't sure. I think for me, the most important or the most valuable lesson is, uh, I want to say empathy, but it, like that doesn't quite get at it. Like it's, it's empathizing with the user, but to the point where you deeply understand their problem. And I think what a lot of people think design is about is making things look nice. And I, it isn't. It's more, it's more around what is the problem that needs to be solved and what's the best way to solve that. And part of that is also like balancing practicality with timelines and the needs of businesses and trying to get product out the door. But it, to me, it's, it's ultimately like empathizing with, with who you're designing for, who the customer is, what problem do they have and what sucks about Mm -hmm. their experience in trying to overcome that problem or that, that struggle and, and just always sort of rooting yourself in in that frame of mind rather than, you know, I'll just put some buttons and they can click on the buttons. That's not really what design is. It's more, you know, just, just thinking through and talking with people that are suffering from these, from these problems. That's a really great answer. I loved that. Thank you. Prior to working with you guys, I thought design was making things pretty. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. I had no idea. I have learned so, so much with working with Two Story Robot and their designers. And and now we have a designer on staff at, at CRS. And design is so much more, so much deeper rooted in like experiences and feelings and than I ever gave it 
credit for. <laughs> so well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. That's it's yeah. That's such a cool one. So my my friend Andrea sent this one in. Andrea Phillips, how do you decide if you should stay the course as an entrepreneur or accept one of the many offers to join a team? Yeah, that was exactly, exactly my response to that one. And I will tell you, so I've been, I've been working on Clinect and Central Referral Solutions for three years, almost full time now. And there has been offers that have come at me that have been very tempting. Hmm. And it has been incredibly, incredibly difficult to navigate whether you stay the course as an entrepreneur or accept one of those offers to join a team. At the end of the day, and I can just speak from my own experience on this because that's all I got, is I am so glad up until now that I have stayed the course as an entrepreneur. It has given, it has allowed me to grow in a way I never would grow in a big Mm -hmm. corporate or, or big organizational environment. It has also given my family the flexibility of my time that has been incredible because I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Now, if you were to ask like my bank account, (laughs) (laughs) whether this was a good decision, that's another question mark, but it's, it's so much more than that. I have learned so much in the last three years that I wouldn't give up a day of that for, for an eight hour day in a, in an office in a big organization. I think. What would you, what would you do with the money anyway? (laughs) What what would I do with them? Do you want my list? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's, I think it's a super individual question. And, and the push pull is real though. It is real. Every time an offer like that comes through the door, man, I think hard. I don't get offers. And I (laughs) honestly, I'm not entirely sure why. Like my team gets regularly recruited. People are like trying to recruit my team and I don't get any of that. And it's, I mean, I used to think, oh, it's because like, it's because my profile is like not accepting jobs and um, also listed as a founder. Yes, exactly. Um, So maybe you're like, ah, he's unrecruitable. But um, now now I'm wondering like, oh, maybe no one wants me. (laughs) I No, I don't think that's it. I often get an offer with, so how is Clinect and, C- and CRS oh, going. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're very concerned that, and they're kind of like appealing to that side of me that is maybe uh, um, not like, not in the, like the successful, amazing bucket yet. So they're <laughs> like, how much you come, come do this for a little <laughs> But but maybe because you're so successful, Jonathan, you're not getting the uh, offers. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, so I, I I will caveat that with I measure success in a very different way, and it is not monetary. Clearly, I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not rolling in. I'm not rolling in dough. I mean, like I'm comfortable. Like I'm not. We're not worried, right? We were talking about earlier about just like the privilege of if both of us need to take lots of time off to deal with COVID or whatever is going on, we're we're fine. Like we're not going to, you know, we're not going to not be able to eat and not be able to pay rent, but like, it's not like I can go and buy a mansion and buy a new car whenever I want. (laughs) Also kind of frugal. So 
yeah. I mean, kind of. I like to. I like. I spend money on my on my dumb desk, but. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know. I like it, Andrea. Thank you for that question. That yeah. it's an amazing question. It did hit. It did hit home for me uh, pretty hard there. So. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Andrea. That's all the questions we're going to do for today. But we've got more. Ooh, we and we're got going more. To do more questions on the next episode. So thanks for listening to Fixing Faxes, Building a Digital Health Startup. I'm Jonathan Bowers, and my co-host is Angela Hopke. Our music is by Andrew Codeman. Follow us on Twitter at Fixing Faxes. And we'd love for you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend and tell some folks. Thanks for listening. I'm reading through your questions, and they're hilarious. I have so many podcast ideas, period, she says. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) 